In times of social distance and self-quarantine, gathering enough signatures for a petition is harder than ever. One major proposal still working to earn its place on the 2020 ballot is IP57, an initiative aimed at reforming how Oregon draws its districts. On the line with us today is Norman Terrell, chair of the People Not Politicians Action Committee and a board member of the League of Women Voters of Oregon. Norman, welcome to the show. Hi, Emily. Uh, by the way, my last name is pronounced Turrell. It uh, rhymes with Pearl, if that helps. Well, thank you so much for that clarification. I will get it right the next time. How are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing fine. It's a nice sunny uh, day here in Portland, and I just returned from the Oregon coast to a nice relaxing weekend. Oh, well, good, yeah. There's nothing like seeing nature in action to give a sense of uh, possibility and maybe even a little calm in these moments. So listeners who may be unfamiliar, what does IP57 aim to do? Uh, well, it's an initiative to uh, amend the uh, Oregon Constitution to institute a 12-member independent redistricting commission, uh, which would draw all the boundaries for legislative and congressional districts for the next 10 years or so. Um, the way the redistricting is done now is by the legislature, and the legislature, we uh, feel, has a built-in conflict of interest in the process. And they've usually actually failed in trying to redistrict the state. Over the last 100 years, they've failed every time but two. And the first one was in 1981, where the bill that uh, passed the legislature actually was challenged in court went to the Oregon Supreme Court, and the Oregon Supreme Court ordered the Secretary of State to correct that boundary. The other time was in uh, 2011, when the legislature had an unusual uh, situation that we don't think will happen again, uh, it, where the uh, Oregon House was evenly divided between Republicans and Democrats, and the senators uh, decided to act in a bipartisan manner, and so they appointed equal members of Democrats or Republicans to the joint committee that uh, did the redistricting plan. And uh, we think that was great. They did as best they could under the circumstances, but the results, according to Ballotpedia, were properly characterized as a partial bipartisan gerrymander in which the two parties uh, uh, traded safe districts, and Ballotpedia said that there was actually three or four districts fewer that were competitive in the process that, uh, uh, in the results that came out of that process. So uh, we think we can do a better job than the legislature. Uh, I don't know that we can claim to have the best process uh, in the world because nobody knows what that might be but we think we can do it a whole lot better than the legislature does it. So uh, that's the, uh, the crux of what we're trying to accomplish. So in those two instances that you just gave, failure looks like the majority party uh, drawing a new district so that that majority party stays in power? Yeah, the temptation uh, for any party that's in charge of the process is to gerrymander the state. Mm -hmm. And that usually means choosing their voters to fit into the districts the way they like them to be so that they get reelected. Mm -hmm. And the tendency is to create safe districts that uh, are so biased towards one party that uh, that party is able to maintain
maintain their influence, and in the process, the voters lose because uh, the districts aren't competitive and the voters can't have any possibility of changing their representation. Mm-hmm. So under the current system where the legislature is, is making these decisions, whose voices are most likely to go unheard? Well, the uh, most likely people are the minority party. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, probably minority communities, uh, because the legislature will give lip service to listening to minority communities, but in the uh, end, it's the interests of the party and the getting reelected that uh, will dominate the process rather than uh, listening to any particular voices. So recently, you received an extension on the deadline to submit enough signatures. How many more signatures do you need? Um, that's a little indeterminate. Mm-hmm. The uh, Judge McShane in Eugene Federal Court uh, allowed us to have fewer signatures, and he set the bar at uh, 58,000 and some signatures. Uh, and he also allowed uh, extra time until August 17th. Um, however, our opponents actually appealed the decision to the uh, Ninth Circuit Court, and it's a little indeterminate as to exactly what the Circuit Court might require or if they will change the uh, judge's decision at all. So we're doing as best we can to collect additional signatures at this time until our deadline of August 19th. Uh, the mail deadline, by the way, would be August 10th or, or so in order to get the mail to Salem so that we can get them processed and to over to the Secretary of State. So um, we're going to collect every signature we can for the next uh, few weeks uh, just to make sure that we have enough to um, mm-hmm. get above the bar that, that the judges set. So without the opportunity to be at events, to be on the streets gathering signatures, what are your strategies? Well, we don't want to bet anybody to endanger their health and to just get a few more signatures on our petition. We're asking people to contact their uh, family, friends, and neighbors and get them to sign the petition. Uh, they can download petitions from our website at uh, peoplenotpoliticiansoregon.com and uh, get signatures after printing out the petitions. Uh, be sure to sign the certification at the bottom of the petition. Uh, every petition has to be signed at least twice, one as a voter and one as a circulator, and then uh, mail it back to us uh, in Salem. Mm-hmm. The um, one-signature versions uh, can be printed individually by voters and then sent back. The five- and ten-signature versions Uh, have to be printed double-sided with the ballot title and other information on the back side of the petition. It can't be a separate sheet. It has to be shown that it's uh, been presented to voters when they're signing the the, the, um, petition. Mm. So there's a a lot of detail involved in this, and it's a a rather complicated process and and certainly a a complicated issue. So... uh, we're hoping everybody will at least help us get it on the ballot so that people can vote it on vote on it in November. How confident do you feel about making the deadline? I'm fairly confident uh, since the judge ordered the reduction in the requirements. Mm-hmm. 
by the way, the, the judge's decision was effectively that the initiative process is for the purpose of demonstrating sufficient uh, interest in the voters so that it can be voted on in November, and that's effectively what he ruled. But he uh, ruled that uh, the campaign has demonstrated already the interest of the voters by collecting some 64,000 signatures that we turned in uh, to the Secretary of State, uh, but he gave us the extra time and the lower uh, rate of signatures so that we could make sure that we do have that to demonstration of the voters' interest. Mm. Now, IP57 has a number of organizations behind it. What groups have come out in opposition to the bill, and what are their main arguments? Well, the supporters represent the whole spectrum of the uh, politics in Oregon. Uh, our opposition would like to make this into a partisan issue, and we're maintaining that it's really a, a process issue that affects all parties equally. So it doesn't uh, affect just Democrats or just Republicans, uh, but our opposition represents the political establishment in Oregon, which are at this time uh, Democrats and particularly our Oregon is the leader of that uh, effort to oppose us. They've tried to delay and keep us off the ballot in any way that they can, and uh, we're hopefully going to show them up by getting on the ballot in, in November. Um, the uh, a process issue I compare to a double-edged sword that can cut both ways, and uh, either party can use that sword to... Uh, meet its uh, aims if it needs to, but uh, often the, the uh, process is <coughs> controlled by the other party and uh, they can wield it just as well as the uh, parties that are in power now. And in fact, in the history of Oregon, that has been the case. In the 1981 uh, case that I cited, it was in fact the Republicans who were in charge of the, the uh, state process of redistricting. And uh, it was the Democrats who uh, opposed that. So um, we think this is a better way for the voters to be in charge of the redistricting process rather than the politicians who have a conflict of interest. So this sets up a commission with, uh, with citizens representing the state, four Democrats, four Republicans, and four either non-affiliated or other party. Is that, is that the correct? Um, yes, that's correct. And right now, there's no um, non-affiliated uh, representatives in the legislature, and there's no minority parties in the legislature. So those would be better represented in the process of the uh, independent commission. Uh, furthermore, we're not trying to set up a commission that's representative of anything. Uh, in fact, uh, we're trying to balance the political interests of the state so that they have to compromise and that the voters win in the process rather than the politicians. And what was the thinking behind doing the four Democrats, four Republicans, and four other folks, as opposed to doing it in a proportional way to represent the current, um, current voter makeup in the state of Oregon? Well, that's what I just explained, that we don't want it to be representative. We want it to balance the political interests mm -hmm. of the state. Uh, so that they have to compromise. In fact, one of the provisions of the initiative is that any map that is uh, uh, adopted by the commission 
has to have at least one uh, commissioner vote in favor of it from each of the three groups. Mm-hmm. And that way they, they are also forced to compromise. Are there any other states that are that are redistrict that are setting up redistricting commissions similar to what this proposes? Uh, yeah, uh, our proposal is actually uh, modeled after what California voters passed by initiative over ten years ago, uh, and their independent commission, by all accounts, actually worked very well in redistricting the state. And if anything, uh, the voters have more control over their. Uh, elected officials than they do were before. Uh, other states, uh, in the 2018 election, there was actually five states that had ballot measures on redistricting on the ballot, and all five of those uh, adopted those initiatives. Those were uh, Michigan, Ohio, Colorado, Missouri, of all places, and Utah, uh, all had ballot measures. You know, they're certainly different from what our proposal is, but uh, each state will be, in fact, different because the state politics are somewhat different. Mm-hmm. And There's ha- about 19 states, by the way, that have some sort of independent commission uh, already. 19 states. And which state has been doing it for the longest in that in that format? I, I don't know, I guess. Uh, Washington State to our north might be mm-hmm. one of the oldest because... Uh, they passed a constitutional amendment back in the 1980s to set up a four-member politician appointed commission is what I would call it because there's uh, one uh, commissioner appointed by each of the four caucus uh, leaders in the legislature and then they appoint a fifth person that does not have a vote to balance the commission and, and to be the chair. So that's probably one of the oldest, if not the oldest. And Norman, how can our listeners best support your cause? By uh, downloading petitions from our website, peoplenotpoliticiansoregon.com, and print it out, sign it uh, twice, and mail it back to us. Excellent. Well, Norman, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you, Emily, for your attention to this uh, campaign. And uh, with everybody's help, we can get this on the ballot so people can vote on it. Well, we look forward to checking in with you again soon on the progress. Okay. Good to have you, uh, your attention, and I'll talk to you again soon, perhaps. Thank you, Norman. Have a good day. That's Norman Turrell, chair of the People Not Politicians Action Committee and a board member of the League of Women Voters of Oregon.